Hey everybody, it's Mike Rickon. Thanks for joining us for another edition of Madiv's Getting to Know Podcast. Today I'm joined by my buddy Christoph Stenzel, president of our filtration business, which is a combination of businesses from both legacy companies. So it'll be an interesting discussion today with Christoph. Christoph, thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule integrating these organizations to spend time with us on the Getting to Know Podcast. Thanks for having me today. It's a pleasure. It's great to see you. Now, tell us a little bit about the filtration business that you run, which is a combination of businesses from both legacy companies, right? Yeah. I used to call uh, our BU, the BU filtration, a mix and match business unit because it's really two, two businesses coming together, very complementary. So we split it basically the large BU filtration into five subcategories. One is transportation filtration, that's our legacy auto filtration business. The other one is water filtration, and then I have air, HVAC and air pollution control as our air filtration subcategory, industrial processes, and then the life science categories, which makes it very very diverse and a broad portfolio to begin with. And uh, we really bring teams from both heritage businesses together, to form the BU filtration, which is a little under 500 million in revenue nowadays. So a very big and broad portfolio for you. Um, how global is your filtration business? So we basically have teams almost everywhere. We have we have sales offices all over the place. We produce now on two continents or three continents, I should say. So in Europe, that's where I'm based in Southern Bavaria, where we have, I think, one of the larger plants. Then we have a couple of sites in the US and then also we have a production in China, in Suzhou, where we produce the filter materials for our customers. So very diverse, very global and a, a huge team that takes care about our customers. So of the five subcategories in filtration, to what extent do you have like the macroeconomic trends on your side? I think um, in in pockets everywhere. So we have the growing concern about clean air and well-being that is hitting the life science side. That's hitting also the air filtration side. Then the secrecy of water is is playing into our favor for for water filtration. The industrial processes is really a mix and match of various application that gets supports from, from megatrends. And then in the auto, that's the mobility. Uh, that's the mobility megatrend that's driving that. However, the automotive industry is going through a change now with you know, concerns around traditional combustion engine and uh, now the electrification or whatever the drivetrain of choice may, may be on the go forward basis. So a lot of a lot of trends in our favor, really. That's great. So what's your experience been so far as we've come together as Madiv? I have the joy of having uh, a diverse portfolio and also a, a nice group of people coming together. So I tried really to, to bring the best of two worlds into the leadership roles and into the teams. So far, we organized also, I, I call it the tech teams, uh, according to the subcategories that we have in filtration, so water filtration, auto filtration, industrial processes, life science, and then air. And I have teams from, from both sides of, uh, of the businesses coming together as one, discussing about synergies, about new trends. And there is a lot of learning early on because I said it's very comprehensive. 
businesses, a lot of complementary, a lot of things to learn from each side. So I think we just started this journey and there's more to come in the next coming months and weeks going forward. You're in a unique spot in that you've got legacy talent from both sides of the old aisle. What would you say about the culture and kind of the DNA of, of both legacy companies as we come together? How, how similar, how different? What's been your experience? I think we said very early on, okay, we are both from a KC heritage and we were very close from a spot together. So both headquarters were in Alpharetta, Georgia, still are. So we believe to be very close in culture and I think we are, but there are certain pockets depending on where you are you have regional differences, and this is what we are what what we are learning, what we are experiencing. And I think the trick is, or uh, the thing to do, is now to bring the best of both sides together and make it work for Madif. So, did you grow up as a young boy wanting to run a big global filtration business? Absolutely. No, I mean I told you in in the previous setting that I was born and raised on a farm, so my first dream job was to become a farmer. Um, that didn't work out well, uh, obviously. So, but then I got somehow into the chemistry side of the business, which I found cool and interesting as a young kid. And I did an apprentice as a company, and that was my first way into chemistry. And then after that, I, after apprenticeship, I said, okay, 40 more years, the same job. That's kind of boring. So then I joined university, studied chemistry, and made it into the paperwork, made it into Nina, long story short, obviously here. And then from a very technical role, I went into technical sales and then more into the business side to get to the role that I currently possess. And that's that's super interesting for me. So the early days after university, did you join what was Legacy Nina right away? That was, yeah, it's Legacy Gesner. Uh, so Legacy Nina and the Gesner part, so the German part originally. At that time, it was even a German company, and I mentioned this previously, so it's Steinbeis Gesner. Then it became Fibermark in 1998, before it ultimately became Nina in 2006. So I'm with the company for almost 25 years next next February, and then with uh, with Nina since the acquisition in 2006, and now with Medev. Got it. So how far do you live currently today from where you were born and grew up? It's precisely 670 kilometers that's a very german answer most probably so this is the place <laughs> where, where where i was uh, born and raised so that's more the center of germany more the Düsseldorf cologne area and this is where i went to school this is where still most of our family lives so actually my wife and kids are the only ones down here and this is also where I studied chemistry in, in Aachen and where I did my first jobs in, in Dusseldorf area with Henkel, for instance. So your wife is German as well? She's from the same area as you? Absolutely. So we were born like a kilometer and change apart from each other. And um, so that was that was very close uh, indeed. But we, you know, like the first 15, 16, 17 years of our life, we didn't know from each other, and then, then we met pretty early on. So we are together quite some time, though. What a beautiful German love story. So speaking of which, talk to us about the family. So you've got the wife and a handful of boys running around there, right? Yeah, not a handful, but three. In the meantime, we have we have only one with us still. The two older ones are out there in, in university and, and, and working. So we are we are left alone with, with our youngster, which is 17. He's in this final year of, of German high school 
and um, then he needs to make up his mind what he really wants to do going forward other than work and, and travel which is the obviously pick after COVID which was not so much the, in, in the favor in the past time and the the other two are, are studying and taking up parts in the university. You mentioned in your early days thinking that you might be working on a farm someday or wanting to work on a farm or both. Who would you say influenced you most as a young child? I think and as a young child, my grandfather, because he was the farmer. So my parents were very young at the time. So I was born and raised basically by my grandparents. So they took me out and, and that was my, my I mean, Getting as a small kid on the farm, that that is super. You have all the animals. You have a lot of room to play, to 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 be outside. So that was great. So that was my 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 very first experience, and that was a big influence to me. Unfortunately, my my grandfather uh, died too early, very early on. So nobody was really up for taking up the farm. So that was also the part when I had to let go my my dream job number one of becoming a farmer. Right. How old were you at that point? I was five, so pretty early. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So there, there was not a whole lot you were going to do to take the farm over at that point. No, no, nobody asked me actually. So I would have called dips on it maybe, but uh, I didn't have a word in that. And um, so, so I had plenty of time uh, during school times to find other uh, you know, like things for me to do. So you took a path toward, was it chemical engineering? Was your technical background? Exactly. So that is... I was I was somehow introduced to chemistry and and Henkel is a huge corporation so that was kind of cool being a small town Boeing and then going to a larger city becoming part of a company that was at that time at least twelve thousand people in Düsseldorf so that was a a big step and that was very early mornings driving to Düsseldorf with a with a neighbor and spending like a lot of time in in, in labs in, in Düsseldorf and then going back and forth. But I was still young at that time, and I already mentioned that, you know, like at that time you, you look and say, okay, 40, 45 more years, the same job, that was too boring. So I, I, I decided to, to go into university to really study that thing and try to make more out of it than just being in a lab and, and working all day the same thing. So you have a unique background, kind of the technical side plus a sales and marketing angle how do you think about yourself as you think about background do you think of yourself as more of a front-end kind of commercial guy or a technical guy or i think what i what i like the most is interacting with people i would say and that can be in various settings and then you can bring in to the table whatever the topic is so if if you bring in your technical expertise and in case you have a complaint or you need to introduce a product in a commercial discussion or in a contract discussion, you ha you have to bring different skills to it. But I think the, the technical background in my early days really helped to learn the product, to explain the product well, that it's usually also an enabler to make a, a different or easier selling pitch. If you can really speak about the product and what does it do besides just price or what kind of added value, if you understand also the, the, you know, like the service part, if you understand what all the, the group of people that, that stand behind a product can do for, for the customer, that is really a helper. With everything that we have going on from an integration standpoint, is there anything remotely close to a, quote, typical day for you currently, Christoph? Mm, no, there is there is not. So we have a lot of, of team meetings, obviously, because we have the learning part that, that came to 
our daily activities. Um, being where I'm located today, we have our own challenges with with the crisis around us here. Unfortunately, we have not made it completely out of COVID. So I have a little bit of, of different topics every day, plus the learning. And then we have teams in different time zones, which makes the, the front end of my day very German-centric or European time zone-centric. And then the rest of the day or the second half very much towards the US team and meetings that are convenient for the different groups to join, right? The crisis that you refer to, I assume, is related to the uh, energy surge. Energy, yeah, availability surge, not only pricing, and still out of the, or let's say, side effects or aftermath of COVID, there is still a lot of supply chain issues for parts that our customers are missing that are still influencing day-to-day life ordering and, and needs of the market and the customers, basically. What's currently the best part of your job? Again, the, the people's part. So we have our we have a tech team meeting in the afternoon where people re- report out. And the part I liked about the merger is in the initial phases, in the early phases, there was a small team exposed to it, thinking about where we could potentially take this. But now as we bring in more people, that people that really that really are no more in deep or in depth about the projects and the things we can really do together, I'm excited to see what a larger group of more folks come up with in terms of synergies, in terms of new ideas, in terms of different paths to take, what else can we do and so on and so forth. It seems like the only thing that you need to do is give guidance or priorities because obviously enough, we can only do so many things in 24 hours or with so many people that besides all the excitements, the the most important part is, is also clear prioritization not to kill the uh, excitement, but to say, okay, this one first, the other one next. I think that's that's the magic trick for us to do. As you bring together multiple businesses, oftentimes there's, there's a lot of things that can serve as hurdles. To what extent have you guys run into roadblocks early on? Is it more than you would have expected? Is it about what you would expected? Are you pleasantly surprised? I mean, that that is that is in that the first exposure to me to to such an event a merger and it's it's let's be true to ourselves it's not a small thing so uh, we are bringing a lot of folks together so i had no reference point that i could say uh, bounce it off and say okay that's better or worse than last time i think the we all said it's a it's a marathon rather than a sprint that would be code for okay we need some patience and People that know me, I, I'm not a very patient guy. So I think that's my my biggest sh- struggle. I I would like to be further down the down the road already, but in reality, with the organization, and we we need to do it right from the start. So it takes more time than I think, in all honesty, than I think I would have factored in for that. But that is okay. As I said, we want to do it right from day one as as much as we can. There will be setbacks, obviously. It's a big ship to, to turn now or a big thing or big um, task that we took on. So the patience part is something which I maybe underestimated. If you had a magic wand and, and could wave that over the organization, would you use it to accelerate the coming together process or would you use it elsewhere? Selfishly, I would use it to make all the, the problems go away. Just to create a 
normal work day without the, the, the side effects of COVID and all the problems that we have just to go to work and say, oh, let's focus on just one thing, not these many things. And it's especially talking to my colleagues around the, the European Union, we are still we are still in a crisis mode continuously since whatever, you know, like beginning 2020 to some sort. I think uh, uh, some sort of normality would, would be good on us no matter where, but I think especially now with the unique settings of the of the crisis um, between Ukraine and, and Russia, so that, is, that is something that I would use that for. And that would automatically, I think, bring or free up time for more progressive work on or merger or things that you that you like rather than just troubleshoot all the times. Is there specific advice you would share or or have shared with with Julie as we've gone through this process? I think the the, the patience part is, is something that I also said, okay, I mean she likes to have a plan. She likes also to, to accelerate things. And I think that the thing that I use that we have different pockets. We have BUs that it's same old, same old would, would be not a fair comment, but we have different settings and depending on where you look. So I have really a, a intercultural team and there's a lot of learning that needs to happen before we can make smart decisions, before I can say, okay, this is a, a route that we should go and not the other one. So I think we are working on, on different cadences, if you will. And that is something which we have to we, we have to acknowledge and then say, okay, let's let's maneuver around that to to maybe work on different paces, also from an integration standpoint or working with our business partners that, okay, I need more time. Let's go to another BU or to another topic prior to coming back to me. Sticking with advice to others and twisting that around a little bit, any advice you would give to the younger version of Christoph just coming out of university and getting after your career? I think the patience part uh, is, is something that I would say, don't, don't, don't run before you can walk. I, I, I was fortunate enough to have a lot of opportunities within Gessner and Fibermark, Nina. So whenever I think, okay, that's kind of not the way that I'd like to go. Uh, there was an other door open for me. So fortunately, but I think, I would give advice to many of young young kids that you know if you do a step forward, take also some time to consolidate the, the newly learned or the, the step that you just take and reflect on that before you take on another step. Not only step in career or things that you want to uh, put on or add on to your work or whatever. I think I think that is that is an advice. There is always time to progress and, and there's there should be time to consolidate to build a new launchpad for the next step. Christoph, the Getting to Know podcast, as you know, is an audio media, so the audience can't see what I see, but in your background, there are lots of books and what might be like old school CDs and DVDs. Is that a big part of your life? Yeah, so with being now an empty nester, the good thing is you if your kids are out, you, you get out of all the kids' music, you, so you can listen more to the, the own music that you like, so that is definitely something that I like to do, listening to music. Uh, I, music is is on when I when I go to the car and whenever I'm alone at home the first thing I do is take out a, a it's the old school a CD or or, or the streams a, a thing that just comes to my mind and play it so I like music quite a bit and the reading part I I I have too little time to do it or I should say I take too little time to do it 
I have to restart this again. Usually the time around Christmas in the, in the quiet times is, is a good is a good time to take that up. But I that, but I like books and and different genres that that I would that that I like uh, to take and and just read for some time. But I think I have to do a better job on 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 carving some time out of my busy schedule for that going forward. With your boys mostly out of the way to select music on your behalf, now that you can go back to your own music, what's that sound like? Who are you listening to? Actually, I don't have any style that I like. I have it all over the place. I just have to listen to it, like it. In the early days, I I listened to a lot of reggae. Then I moved into more rock, rock and roll and then back and forth. I also like some parts of the classical stuff. I like also like movie themes. Just recently, Saturday, I was on the on the uh, on a the Cure concert. That's you know like they had their 40th uh, anniversary in 19 uh, no 2018. So there were 60 year old guys on stage, but they did a really nice job in in, in Munich. So I was there with my wife. Uh, was it was fantastic. So that is part of the old times where my kids say, "Oh, you really listen to that?" And I said, "Yeah." I was also young at some point, so so that is that is what you know. It's it's really no no genre. It's like all over the place. But I I like music. Very nice. This was uh, just this last weekend with the Cure. Yeah, that was last weekend Saturday. That's great. What's the first concert you ever went to? Do you remember? Yes, Tears for Fears in nineteen eighty five, May fifth. That was my birthday. So that was my first concert at the age of sixteen. Yeah, that's great. Very cool. What's the best concert you've ever been to? Definitely Lenny Kravitz. Uh, I, I visited him. I, I was at that Lenny Kravitz concert literally in two times in, in one month. One month was in Salzburg, Austria. It was within the city. They have a very nice internal setting in, in the city where the acoustics are just phenomenal. And being a good musician, he also picks a lot of super cool guys for his bands. And I, I remember... Uh, the female drummer, she was she was just amazing. And with the same with the same setting, it was a, a month left uh, after an Oberhaus in Germany. It was an inside concert, way different. It, it was still great, but no, it could not top the experience of, of of Salzburg, the open air. It was really fantastic. Very cool. Do you play any instruments? No, I'm not blessed, so I I, I do very bad. I started very early, but. My, my 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 parents sent me to music school just to get all the, the the theory behind it and after one year i was up for something really cool instrument but then they gave me the fluid and then i said okay that's not not cool enough for me so i stopped it my wife is singing in the choir and my my oldest has a drum uh set in in the in the cellar so they are they have the definitely from my wife i I'm, i have no talent for it unfortunately Gotcha. What else besides uh, music and concerts? What What do you guys do for fun? So as a family, we we like to just be be together. And in, in former days, we spent some vacations. So we we took some cool vacations uh, in in different places, traveled the world. And other than that, really, some I try to to do some sort of sports. So we like to take the bike out here. We have. We have nice biking routes, and I, I do hit the gym like two times a week to kind of stay in stay in shape, uh, and not to because my, my job comes with a lot of sitting uh, at at the office or in the plane or wherever. So this is what what I do, and then really 
we also like to garden, so be, be out when, whenever possible. And it's, uh, we, we are blessed to live in a very beautiful area down here, so that's really great. With all the traveling you've done, Christoph, what would you say is the coolest place you've ever been? Hmm, that's a good one. That's a good one. I like Brazil a lot, and uh, I've toured a lot of rural areas of Brazil, and they have they have really like a really really super nature wherever you go. And I've never experienced so many different shades of green. I would say with the with the forest and the leaves and the waterfalls and what have you. So Brazil is definitely one one pick that I would say that that's just amazing. And no matter where you go. Now, you mentioned to me in the past that your youngest guy may be heading off to Brazil for a little while after he graduates. Is there a specific tie to Brazil for you and the family or just the beauty and the experience you've had there? I, I think the, the first thing is we went to Brazil as a family and he was pretty young at that time. So he has no not, not the memory that the older kids have. So I think that's a missing link for him. So he would like to do this. We have friends down there. Um, which we keep in, in touch with. Unfortunately, this was a little bit slow during COVID. So we have some friends and past experience and there is a lot to explore. It's a large country, there different settings. You can go to the beach, you can go to the rainforest, you can do so many things. And I think that that is what, what still intrigues him to, to go down there uh, after, after he graduates. And I think he would like to start be first, I mean, he, he will be 17 and then to be at least 18 be, before you're really heading off to Brazil. So that's that's in the that's the current plan. So let's see um, how this plays out in, in a year from now, roughly. Got it. Well, Christoph, at the end of every Getting to Know podcast, we ask our guests three specific questions. I'm going to hit you with those right now. The first is what can always be found at all times of year in the Christoph Stenzel family refrigerator? So a lot of food, but I would say fruits, veggies, cheese, wine, and Prosecco. So to be a little bit on the healthy and so on the unhealthy side, if you want. Is the Prosecco because you're constantly celebrating? No, not not really. I think it's a nice, it's a nice summer drink. You can, we have this, this Aperol Spritz thing that we brought over from Italy. That's a nice thing to do. I like it also in, in the summer times and then more wine in the winter. Okay. Second question for you. Amongst those who know you well, what would you say you're most famous for? That's a good one too. So my humor, maybe I would say, I, I think I have a, a decent sense of humor. So maybe others to confirm, but that, that will be my pick. I would agree with that. Nice and subtle and dry right when you need it. Yeah. All right. Last question for you, Christoph. What would you say you're most looking forward to right this very moment? I think it's it's going back to your magic wand question. I, I really would lo love a normal day. Uh, with, and, and for the people, it's still heavy on them around here. So I'd really love to have just a normal day for work saying, okay, let's not worry about all the other things. Um, and we have plenty of, of uh crisis all over the place so I, I would i would make that go away that would not be also, uh, only a blessing for me but but for many people i guess yeah absolutely i would agree with that well christoph we appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to spend with us on the getting to know podcast today thank you very much it was my pleasure it was it was indeed a pleasure for those of you in the listening audience i hope you enjoyed getting to know christoph and we'll talk to you again in two more weeks